0: teenagers. I'm James Schoen. And I'm James Certin. Conversation, expertise and advice on the world and well-being of our teenagers. So welcome to Talking Teenagers and welcome back Alicia Drummond. I should say back by popular demand because you have been listened to I think nearly a thousand times on the Talking Teenagers website so far so it's great to have you with us.
1: Wow well it's very nice to be back again.
0: I'm afraid we got no James shown today because our technological expertise does not go so far as to have a three-way conversation right now.
1: <laughs> I think he's really busy on his exercise bicycle anyway. He's
0: busy with teen tips right now. Just tell us what you've been up to through this period.
1: Oh, it's been, it has been extraordinarily busy and probably not very surprisingly because, you know, um, being in isolation has kind of thrown into very sharp relief, um, all the relationships between parents and teens and parents and parents and teens and siblings. And there's an awful lot of, you know, a lot of people who are, I think, finding life extremely difficult. So we've had, I think, nearly 900 families come on the webinars over the last month so we've been doing a series of online talks parenting during isolation managing There's one tonight which is um managing worry stress and anxiety which is really for anybody from age 10 upwards and screens and teens um because obviously there's a lot going on online at the moment um and and we're doing a daily facebook live 11 o'clock every morning on facebook which people can just send in questions we've been doing lots of that and lots of sort of one-to-one consultations so it has been incredibly busy and um, I feel like I've grown roots onto this <laughs> chair in the corner of the kitchen now. <laughs> I'm feeling a
0: bit guilty because well, I haven't really been very busy at all so I mean I was going to just talk through <laughs> with you <laughs> some of the kind of challenges that I would expect sort of parents to be facing and maybe at the end you might just want to um, throw in any more that we get. I'm just going to give you some scenarios of, of, of teenagers at home and if you could just give us your insights into how how to, you know parents might deal with the different situations that would be fantastic
1: yeah sure so
0: the first one I'm going to give you is what I'm going to term the hotel guest I, don't, I think <laughs> it's quite nice to remember actually for a lot of us to have our you know teenagers at home through this period is a real gift isn't it it's a real blessing but there certainly is the um, potential for them to just sort of kick back and you run around doing even more for them how how would you recommend dealing with the hotel guest the
1: hotel guest I always remember my mother always used to say I'm not running a bloody hotel anymore. <laughs> And I get, I completely get it now, being at the other end of it. It's about kind of establishing that actually, as a family, we're a bit of a team, and and that everybody has to contribute to the team. So we've got, well, I've got currently got seven adults living in this house because everybody's re-emerged from where they previously were living wow. or studying, um, and um, you know, and and I'm incredibly busy. So and so so is my husband. He's working really hard, and actually most of them are too. So we've come up, we came up with a rotor right from day one because I thought otherwise the potential for fallout is massive. Because I know I find it really difficult to work if it's messy. And actually, I'm not. I don't think. I think we do way too much for our kids most of the time, anyway. And actually, I think it's really unhelpful because um, when we just do it for them, ultimately the message that they get is that we don't think they're capable of doing it for themselves, which won't do anything for their self-esteem or that self-efficacy. So, I would heavily recommend having some kind of a as tick schedule and giving them a, a bit of choice and control. Do you know what? You know. Do you want to clean the bathrooms or do you want to clean the kitchen? Do you want to do it on Monday? Do you want to do it on Friday? So you give them as much choice and control as possible, but you give them limited choices and control uh, so that actually, you know, you're showing that you need mean business. And actually, that's particularly important for younger ones, because if we give them too many choices, that becomes
0: stressful. Great. Thank you. That's really helpful. How about the hermit? Um, the person who's just locked away in their room the teenager who won't come out
1: oh I know that's one of the biggest things I think that we've had calls about and emails about over the last month there's lots of different parts to this because I think I, I don't want to just give out a one one all remedy for all because I think it's more complex than that you've got to sort of establish why that they, they're going into hermit mode I think at the moment particularly the ones that were maybe going to be doing GCSEs and A-levels particularly the A-levels because they haven't got further schooling a lot of them there's a bit of that well what's the point in getting up kind of thing and their whole schedule is getting more out of whack so they're going to bed later getting up later and, and that's slightly how they're wired anyway but it's giving them a sense of purpose is really important I think understanding that they do need some privacy but also engaging them in the idea that actually life, when it gets out of balance, life uh, can quickly become difficult and it's really not good for our mental health and well-being so look I don't I don't mind you spending a bit more time in your room I don't particularly mind the fact that you are spending more time online chatting to your friends because it's really important that you're sociable but you've got to keep life in balance so there needs to be a certain amount of engagement with family there needs to be a certain amount of getting outside and doing some exercise because if it wasn't that important for us the government sure as hell wouldn't put it into their things that we are allowed to do even during lockdown so it gives you an indication of how important that is and and we and also you need to be engaged in terms of helping out around the place and getting involved in family life
0: Yeah, brilliant. Coming back to the exercise one, I guess we got the the flip side of that. We got what I kind of call the ants in your pants type of teenager who (laughs) are getting slightly insane, either because they're just really active or very extrovert. How would you advise parents on dealing with the ants in the pants?
1: Well, uh, we are all allowed out for a decent bout of exercise. So, you know, those are the ones that need to get up and go out for a a decent run. I mean, there's so many online exercise classes, aren't there? We've been doing Joe Wicks here, actually. Daisy and I have been into Joe Wicks every morning. So they need to do the exercise in terms of the kind of extrovert part of it and needing that social interaction, it's really tough. It's really, really tough. And and I know that parents have been struggling with the ones that are kind of, oh, I'm just going to go for a bike ride. And the next thing you think, oh, my gosh, are they sitting, you know, on the common with a whole load of their mates? Or So, again, it's, it's kind of realising that they need empathy. It is really tough. Yeah. It is really, really miserable being separated from you, all your friends. And I think a lot of them are struggling with that. So giving them the empathy. And followed by just making sure that you keep reiterating why this is so important, because that's not really how they're wired to operate.
0: Yes, I mean, uh, uh, some people, somebody said to me, it's the 18 to 25 year olds who struggled with the whole social distancing the most. And it can appear that they're a little bit complacent or blasé about it all, can't it? But I guess... Like you say, they are wired to be outside and almost becoming independent right now, and it's yeah. it's almost like we're asking them to do the the opposite by sticking them indoors with their family
1: well, we are we completely are we're going it's going against the whole way that they are wired to operate, you know, that's really difficult um and and you've got to throw into the fact that actually at that stage there you have that certain sense of of um, immortality, and you know this won't touch me and and so it doesn't feel so risky plus actually from the beginning we did get the messages that actually that age group were less vulnerable to the to the virus um so it's getting them thinking on a bigger scale you know you meet up with your friends and I completely get why you would might want to do that what you might not have thought through is that I know ex's mum has been through cancer treatment recently so her immune system will be compromised you might not even know you've got the virus but you could pass it on to her so it's it's sort of getting them to do that extended thinking
0: thank you you've you've mentioned too the kind of the night owl as it were this is often the hermit <laughs> and, and that's often connected to what's partly biological as you said but it's also often connected to screens kind of screen addict scenario How would you advise parents? I guess that's probably one that's come up a lot with you recently.
1: Yeah, it is. And we just, we grossly underestimate the importance of sleep, particularly for that age group. Uh, You know, they really need to be getting nine plus hours a week, a night, a week, a night, (laughs) and uh, nine plus hours a night. And the, the, the way the whole sleep cycle works is that the later you, you know, the more you kind of put your sleep cycle out of whack, i.e. doing the late night gaming, and gaming itself um, often is quite high octane as well, so you push up your cortisol levels at night which then leads to higher cortisol levels the following night which means it's harder to get to sleep and you very quickly push the whole sleep cycle out of out of whack and we know there's there's a lot of studies to show that you know uh, sleep deprivation is causal factor for things like anxiety and depression so if you if you have no other tech rules whatsoever getting the screens out of their rooms at night needs to be the one non-negotiable
0: is that you know is there a kind of uh, a way of sort of negotiating that by saying actually we're not going to be nearly so stringent on what you do in the day because a lot of kind of teenagers will say well I do it at night because my parents are just going to keep coming in and telling me to get off in the day so that's why I go on at night is that a message for parents do you think to say look just back off as long as they're not doing it at night let's not get overly worried about the daytime
1: I think there is an element to that it's about you know as long as the day is reasonably balanced mm. which I've already talked about yeah. um and as long as as the, as they're off the machines kind of you know 11-ish actually don't this is not really the moment to battle too hard during the day and I think also you know when we again going back to that slight sense of power and control and also negotiation when we When we look as if we're trying to meet them halfway, they're more likely to meet us halfway than when we try to go in and set really stringent boundaries, which they're actually programmed to push against
0: anyway yeah and it's slightly ironic at the same time that you know for those of us who are carrying on teaching or doing school that we're all doing it on screens anyway so i'm <laughs> yeah. teaching on screen the whole day both my boys are on screen all day in school and so to suddenly start making sort of different rules for other people about screen seems a bit ludicrous in the circumstances
1: i would have thought so yeah, I would have thought so. I mean, somebody somebody um sent in a thing the other day saying you know her daughter age eleven was now doing a lot more obviously doing all her work on stuff on screens and she was really struggling with the lack of collaboration that happens in a classroom. You know, there's this, the banter, but there is also the collaboration and this and the sharing of ideas etc. And so she'd eventually agreed for her daughter to be doing her schoolwork with um, house party going on at the same time, so she could talk to her friends while she was doing the school cool project and then she said, of course then the lesson finishes and then she wants to stay on house party to have a natter with her friends but it means that the amount of screen time's gone so up so much that actually her mood is vile by the end oh, of yeah. the morning so I was like well maybe you know get them to have agreements with their friends as well okay how about we have a rule that at the end of the lesson we go and do something else for 10-15 minutes before we do the chat part of it
0: so the the theme there a lot is sort of giving them to control to sort of make choices that will help in terms of balance, you know and kind of creating that balance, yeah. I mean, I think on, the, so. on the subject of control, you know, we do have uh, control freaks, is perhaps an unfair kind of uh, term to describe <laughs> people. But uh, someone once said to me once, you know, what happens to a control freak when they lose control and, and you just end up with the freak? Yep. And this is a time when our illusion of control has been sort of broken very much so, hasn't it? And for, for a lot of teenagers, that's very hard right now. They thought yeah. they know, knew what was going to happen in the summer and beyond that. And actually, they're not so yeah. sure now. How would you advise parents to deal with, with that? kind of child
1: well I think we're all you know the, what's so hard for everybody right now is the uncertainty you know we don't like uncertainty that's just not the way that we are wired to roll um, the brain is constantly sort of guessing what's going to happen in the next moment and the minute you take away that certainty it starts to make up its own stories and that's where that kind of excessive worrying starts to creep in but none of us are really brilliant with uncertainty but i think it's really tough when you don't have the experience the, you know kind of life experience behind you to know that really things generally sort themselves out and that right now the only thing that you can influence is what's happening today so for for those who are missing out on it's, it's all kinds of things isn't it from that post GCSE rite of passage festival to the ending of say junior school and those rites of passage I think we again what what can you do you can't you we can't fix it we can't we can't make it anything other than what it is so we have to use our empathy and and just acknowledge that yeah it is really tough and okay we can't do anything about it right now but actually, we can plan for something when it is all over.
0: And I think, I think I heard someone say that actually, what we do know is that we're in lockdown until this date. So we can only plan until that date. And then when we get to there, we start again. And it's quite good to just break it down into chunks like that.
1: I completely agree. And if you're somebody who really struggles with worry, then you want to be breaking it down even further than that. Actually, the only moment you have really much control over is the one that's happening right now.
0: Yeah, indeed. Can I ask you as well just briefly about siblings and sibling squabbles? And, of course, when you... Create this sort of crucible at home where everyone's on top of each other the whole time, and of course that's much more difficult for some families than others, depending on the circumstances. How would you um, speak to a parent in terms of negotiating that, you know, with you know squabbles and the like?
1: Well, um, I mean, I'm not actually plugging it, but i one of the webinars. The parenting during isolation is very much a lot of it is about how do we avoid conflict because there's lots and there's a lot to it. But I think you know if you're just talking about the sibling rivalry. I always think that, you know, nine times out of ten, sibling rivalry is about us. It's about... It's a good way to get our attention. Often, it, you know, it's happening because there's been a number of things that one's done, the other one's done, and then actually it mounts up, and then there's a huge row, and then you get involved. But of course, you're getting involved at the point where you only know the last little bit of the story, so the whole thing's going to feel they're going to feel really unfair that you've waded in. So on the whole, I think we just stay out of it. I always say, you know, you've got a right to argue, and actually, I've got a right not to listen. Next time you want to have a fight, where are you going to go and do? Do it while
0: you gonna have it. <laughs> and do you need some boxing gloves or
1: <laughs> well, I've always thought every house should have a punch bag because it's a great way of learning to manage this. But um
0: I think a lot of parents think we're the emotional punch bags, don't we?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, there definitely is that. But I think with um I always remember there was one one guy who came on a workshop and he was one of six boys and he always said he said when we were growing up if we started arguing my mum used to herd us all into the downstairs bathroom which was absolutely minute and shut the door so we were kind of then literally cheek by jowl and we had to sort it out and she wouldn't let us out until we'd sorted it so we all hated her for a few minutes but he said I've never ever had an argument with my siblings growing up and I think there's a lot to be said that you might not be able to herd them all into one room but you can take yourself out of it and I think that's important because otherwise when we get involved we tend to rush in and rescue the little one and little ones actually are usually pretty good at knowing how to push everybody's buttons and then sit back and watch the watch the fireworks go off we expect the older ones to be to know how to do it and to to be better behaved but actually they're still young and learning as well so I suppose you know, unless something's about to get thrown, because that's, you know, anything that gets chucked as a missile, I would just let them get on with it. When we get involved, 99.9% of the time, the level of violence goes up.
0: Yeah, good advice. Just just briefly then, are there any other kind of themes or scenarios that are occurring at this time that you've heard and th- think we're sort of throwing into the discussion?
1: I think I just did a blog about it actually, but I think understanding that perhaps right now, you know we're all in a in a state of mourning we're mourning what we had and mourning is a, is a process uh, we can all be at a different point in it and it's not a linear process either and we can all be in different places in that so sort of being mindful that when life anything in life changes so whether that's maybe if you have a have a child and and they have some form of special needs you have to mourn the child you had before you can accept and embrace the one that you've got and I think right now we're mourning the life we had We're some of us have got to the point of, OK, well, we can accept where we are and where we need to get to is that place of of hopefulness, of of finding meaning on all of this. And, and there is meaning because I think a lot of people have reconnected perhaps in a way that they haven't had an opportunity to do for a long time. We can all see the impact on the on the environment of not flying and not driving. You know, there is meaning to be found.
0: Yeah, I like that phrase. More meaning and mourning—there's a bit of both going on, isn't there? And I guess for the for the teenagers, especially, the you know, it seems weird to say they're mourning their lack of A levels or lack of GCSEs, but it's true. And actually, that you know, final year at a primary school, or particularly, I think for the year thirteens. Uh, had that final term together or some people are mourning that lack of a year off or their finals at university or whatever it might be it's it is a process of grieving a little bit for that isn't it and actually allowing them and giving them the space to articulate that
1: i think so i think so and i really hope that the schools find a way of bringing all of their levers back together for one last hurrah to mark an ending because we need endings endings are important
0: yeah, it's part of the ritual of that rite of passage, isn't it? And allowing them to go through that rite of passage and and not just pretending oh it's done and it's gone, but giving space for that too. Alicia, thank you so much. As usual, you brought incredible wisdom to this situation. <laughs> and, oh, uh, thank you And do uh, as uh, you know, to the listeners out there, we you know we do recommend you go along to to Teen Tips and have a look at their website and all the webinars and things that they're putting on. And of course, if you want to hear any more of the Talking Teenagers podcast, they're on www.talkingteenagers.co.uk. Thanks so much for your time, Alicia. Take care and stay safe.
1: Bye, and you. Take care,
0: everybody. You've been listening to Talking Teenagers. Music has been by Rue Paynes, editing by George Purvis and James Surtin. For more information about I Can and I Am Charity, Provide presentations and resources and help build self confidence in young people. Visit their website at ICANIAM.com.